Today we can uh, we continue in our sermon series called Reformation. And as I mentioned at the uh, beginning of the service, uh, we're really looking at those four core values of the Reformation. Getting back to God's Word. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. And so today we're looking at faith alone. And faith alone, uh, faith in general, is kind of a, a debated and hot topic today uh, because... We live in a society and in a day and age when science uh, is a big thing. Science and technology. Prove it is what you hear a lot. I believe what I can see. I believe what uh, I can experience. That's what I believe in. Faith is something that was needed for our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-grandparents. But today, that's kind of an ancient thing. Faith is something regarded as... uh, only needed for the weak. If you're emotionally weak, you need faith. But the ironic thing is for people who say that, is that everybody has faith, don't they? In one way, shape, or form, we all have faith. We believe in something that we can't prove. Sure, Christians believe in God. We believe in Jesus, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross to take away all of our sins. That's what we believe. That's faith. There's a group called the agnostics. People who believe that there is a God, but that we can't know anything about Him. Uh, The the God of the Bible is not the true God because the higher power has not revealed anything about Himself. That takes faith to believe that. And even atheists, those who believe that there is no God, have faith, right? Because you cannot disprove God. There's not enough science in the world to prove that God doesn't exist. And so, it takes faith to believe that God doesn't exist. In fact, I would argue that it takes just as much faith to believe that there is no God as uh, the same amount as it takes to believe that God exists. Everybody has faith. You who are sitting here have faith. People who are listening online have faith. We all have faith. And today, we're going to look at what the faith of a Christian is all about. Because it's more than just a crutch for the weak. It's by faith that we are saved. We're going to look at that this morning and explore everything about it. And to do so, we're looking at a man named Abraham. We are in Romans chapter 4. beginning with verse 13. Romans was uh, originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living in Rome. And in this section, Paul is talking about righteousness, how we have a right standing with God. And he says it's by our faith. And so we pick up in verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. We talked about Abraham earlier in the service when we looked at Genesis chapter 15. Abraham has a very unique story, doesn't he? 
During that time, 2,000 years before Jesus, uh, families, they grew up and they stayed in the same city. It's not like today where it's very, uh, you know, family moves away. They all stayed in the same one. And so you've got Abraham's wife, parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, all living in the same city. And God appeared to Abraham when he was 75 years old and said, Abraham, go to a country I'm going to show you. I'm not even going to tell you where to go. I'm just going to tell you, start walking. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And so imagine this. Abraham calls a family meeting. Uh, Sarah, dad, mom, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, cousins. God appeared to me last night. He told me and Sarah to start walking. He's going to show me where to go. And I'm going to be the father of many nations. Right, Abraham. Uh, Let's back up for a second. You're 75 years old and you're childless. Sarah's barren. You're going to be the father of many nations? Imagine if one of our family members did that. We would think they lost it. And yet Abraham believed God. God promised him he was going to be the father of many nations, and he believed it. And so he left. But he left not because God's promise that he was going to be the father of many nations. That wasn't the greatest promise that God made him. Uh, It it wasn't, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you uh, have a lot of grandbabies. That wasn't the great promise. The great promise was that from him, a Savior was going to come. A Savior born in the world to die for sins. And Abram believed that. He believed it. And because he believed it, God made him his heir. God promised, because uh, God promised, I'm going to make you my heir, and through you, I'm going to bless all nations. And Abraham said, I believe it. What did Abraham do to, uh, to deserve it? Nothing. Nothing. Look, that's what Paul's point is. It was not through the law that Abraham Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world. But by faith. If it was through the law, God would have said, Abraham, if you do X, Y, and Z, then I'll make you my heir. Then I will uh, make this promise to you. But he didn't. Right? God said, Abraham, this is what I've done for you. I've made you my heir. I'm going to bless all nations through you. And I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham said, okay, I believe it. This is great. You see, it was by faith that, uh, that Abraham had this relationship with God. It wasn't by his actions. It wasn't by his works that he made God uh, realize he was worthy of this. It was simply God's promise to him, and he believed it. And so if you're following along in your worship folder, that's our first point for today. Faith, not your actions, determines your relationship with God. Faith, not your actions. Why is this important? Because God has made promises to you and me too, right? He's made the same promise. He said, I've made you my child. I've made you my heir because of Jesus. Because He lived, died, and rose again for you. You are my child. Believe it. 
And we sit there and we think, that's great, but that's too easy. What do I got to do? I have to do something to earn it. I have to show that I'm worthy to be part of the family. I was talking with a pastor last week and he said uh, a lady called him from the community and she, uh, she was all upset because um, right after the Vegas shooting happened, she said this world is going down the drain. Uh, world War III is going to break out. Pastor, I need to be ready to go. How do I know that I'm ready? And the pastor said, I'm so glad you called. Let me tell you. He said, do you believe in Jesus as your Savior? Yes. Do you believe that He lived perfectly in your place? Yes. Do you believe He died for you? Yes. Do you believe He rose from the dead? Yes. Well, then you're ready. And she said, Pastor, that's great. But what else do I have to do? That's our attitude too sometimes, isn't it? That's what our hearts get us to believe is that God's promise is too unbelievable. It's just too good to be true. And yet God says your relationship with me isn't based on how well you perform. It isn't based on your moral performance, but on my promise to you. And that's what Abraham understood. He believed God, even when God's promises seemed too unbelievable. And that's your second point this morning. Faith believes the unbelievable. Faith believes the unbelievable. We are going to pick up in Romans chapter 4. Paul continues talking about Abraham. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also of those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written. I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God. In other words, he's our spiritual father. Uh, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said about him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. You want to talk about believing the unbelievable? My goodness. Abraham was 75 when God made that initial promise to him. 25 years later, he still had no son. 100 years old, and God finally granted Isaac to him. You talk about believing the unbelievable. What does Paul say about Abraham? He, he realized his body was as good as dead. And, and Sarah's womb, she was 90, was as good as dead. Not uh, habitable for a child. And yet he believed in God. Why? Because God raises the uh, dead to life and he brings into being things that were not. In other words, 
God has the power to do what God wants to do. God says it's going to happen. Abraham said it's got to happen because God has the power to do it. This is important in our lives too, isn't it? Because God has made us some unbelievable promises as well. And if He can do anything, we ought to believe Him, right? We ought to just take Him at His word. And yet, how often don't we read God's promises in Scripture and we doubt? We wonder what we have to do to be saved. God's Word tells us in Acts chapter 16, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And we say, that's too easy. Just like that woman before, that's too easy. Nothing in life is free. Even a buy one, get one free is not really free. Right? You go to McDonald's and uh, they have a special of what? Like, buy one Big Mac for five bucks, get the other one free. That second one's not really free. You're paying two fifty for it. And you want to test it, go up to the counter and say, I'll take the free one. What are they going to tell you? Well, you have to buy the first one. That's not free. Nothing in life is free, and yet God says heaven is free. And we say, that's too easy, God. I have to do something. I can't believe it. It's too unbelievable. Last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, what were we told? That by nature, we are dead in transgressions and sins. We were, by nature, objects of wrath. And we hear that and we say, God, that promise is too unbelievable. It's too unbelievable. You say that uh, if I don't believe in Jesus as my Savior, I'm going to go to hell. And, and that's too unbelievable to me because I'm not an evil person. I'm not that bad. Sure, I've had some mistakes here and there, but I'm not evil. And so your promise is too unbelievable, God. God tells us in Romans chapter 8, just a few chapters past this one, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And yet we look around at our circumstances and we feel loneliness. We feel hopeless, helpless. We don't feel loved. And then something happens and it triggers a memory. And like a movie that plays through our head, it it turns on and we see the film over and over again. We're taken back. We feel the emotions that we felt as we thought those negative things. We hear ourselves as we say those things that we know cut straight to that person's heart. We can feel ourselves doing those actions again And as soon as the movie starts, it stops. Brings us back to reality. And here we're left with guilt and depression and despair because of what we did. How can God love us when I don't love me? How can God forgive me when I don't forgive me? It's impossible. I don't believe it. We flip to Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus tells us, do not worry because you have a heavenly Father who takes care of all of your needs. And yet what happens? We have lack of trust because we don't believe God's going to take care of us the way we want Him to take care of us. And so what happens? We doubt. And if it was up to our faith, if it was up to the way we work, Uh, In our good works, God would say, you're not worthy. 
You're not worthy. You're not worthy to be part of my family. But here's the good news from Paul. Romans chapter 4, 22. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness, because he simply believed God's promise. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Big word there, justification. What does it mean? Declared not guilty. So he was raised to life so that we were declared not guilty. We were declared not guilty. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteous. In other words, God said, here's my love over here on the left. Here's my love and forgiveness. Abraham, here are you way over here. Abraham's faith is what God sent all of this through. His love and forgiveness to Abraham where he was then credited as perfect. He went down in God's books as righteous because of God. And these words were not written just for Abraham, but they were written for you and me as well, whom God has credited as righteous. You can think of it this way. God's last name is Holy. That's His last name. You and I, when we were born into the world, we weren't born part of the Holy Family. We were born sinful. Out of God's family. Nothing we did no matter how hard we worked, no matter how morally, morally we lived, we could not insert ourselves into God's will. We could not insert ourselves into God's family. But God said, I love you. And I'm going to make you part of my family. I'm going to make you part of the holy family. And so what did He do? He sent Jesus. His Son. God Himself came to this world and He lived up to the family name. He lived holy and perfect. And even though He was sinless, He went to the cross. And it was on the cross that He paid for each and every one of our sins. Every one of your sins nailed to the cross of Christ. And on the cross, do you remember something that Jesus said? He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Holy One. God forsook. And do you know what God did at that very moment? He erased Jesus from His will. He erased Him. Took Him out of His will. Why? So that you and I and believers of all time will never be written out of God's will. Will never be erased. But we are in His will forever. And you are going to inherit eternal life because of Jesus. God looks at you now and He says... You are part of my holy family. All of your sins, all of your mistakes, all of your failures, gone, done. I've taken care of them. Your last name is now holy because that's how I view you. And so, when you're feeling guilty, take your first name and replace your last name with holy. Stephen Holy because of what Jesus has done. And all of this you receive, how? 
through your faith. Through your faith. Again, it's like Abraham. God says, here's my love, my perfection, my holiness. Here you are. How am I going to transfer this to you and give you credit for it? It's through your faith that it comes to you. It's by faith alone. Faith in the unbelievable promises that Jesus has made to us. Let's close with just this last point about faith. This is what I want you to take home today, that it's the object of your faith, not the size of your faith, that matters. It's the object of your faith, not the size of your faith, that matters. There's a story of two men who got on an airplane, both heading to the same destination. The first man got on the airplane. He was calm, cool and collected. He sat down right next to the window, put his neck pillow on, his earbuds in, leaned against the side of the the plane, fell right to sleep. Didn't even hear the flight attendant make announcements or anything. A guy five feet behind him came in completely nervous. Pale as pale can be, he sat down and with shaky hands buckled his seatbelt the whole flight, he grabbed onto the vomit bag and white-knuckled the, armchair, uh, the arm of the chair uh, as he was completely nervous the entire time. Both got to their destination. Both got off the plane and everyone was fine. Which one of them had faith? Both of them did, right? They both had faith in that pilot to get them to the destination. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gotten on the plane to begin with. Here's my point. Here is my point. We sometimes compare our faith to other people, right? We say, man, I wish I believed like so-and-so. And And if I don't believe like so-and-so, I can't really be sure if I'm going to be saved. But it's not about how strong or weak your faith is. It's about the object of your faith. Both of those men had faith that the pilot would get them to their destination. And we have faith in Jesus that He is going to get us to our destination. And so, we want to be like that calm guy, right? That came onto the plane, calm, cool, and collected. How do we do that? We grow in God's Word, right? We grow in God's Word. The more we grow in God's Word and our faith is strengthened, the the more our fears and anxieties fall down. Why? Because we know that our God is leading us into the future. And He's leading us to eternal life. The more our faith grows, the less we're going to be concerned about what other people think of us, worried about being judged. We don't have to worry about that because God, God of the universe loves me. He's forgiven me. And His opinion is the only one that matters of me. And He says that I am wholly part of His family. The more we grow in our faith, the more we realize God's love for us and that nothing can separate us from God's love. Faith believes the unbelievable. And God has made some unbelievable promises to you and me. And He's promised, His greatest promise is that through faith in Jesus as our Savior, heaven is ours. You are part of the Holy Family. And what do you do to deserve it? Nothing. God says, this is my promise to you. Believe it. Receive it. Rejoice in it. Grow in it. It's by faith alone that we are saved. And praise God. Amen. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank You for the faith that You have given to us. Uh, We ask that You be with us and continue to grow our faith uh, so that it grows deeper in You. Calm our hearts as we go into the future, as we know that You are with us, leading and guiding us to eternal life. We thank You that it's not about how big our faith is, but who our faith is in. And we thank You that our faith is in Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who's died and rose again in our place. We ask You to be with us this week as we go to live our life. Strengthen our faith in You, that nothing may move us. In Your name we pray. Amen.